Hello everyone and welcome back to No Talking At All. My name is Apeksha and today we're going to talk about something that some people love talking about and other people would rather not be reminded of. Marriage. I think this is a particularly important topic to discuss on this podcast because I think it's something that the South Asian part of the world gets a lot of heat for, specifically for the concept of arranged marriage. Obviously, there are families in every culture who put more emphasis and pressure on marriage than others, and forced marriage and child marriage are still problems in many parts of the world. But I want to share a story with all of you to help challenge the notion that all South Asian arranged marriages are forced and involuntary. Before we even get into that, I want to remind all of our listeners that arranged marriage is not a concept siloed to the South and Southeast Asian parts of the world. When I was studying English literature in college, I distinctly remember reading about arranged marriages happening in Europe, especially among noble and royal families. Arranged marriages are actually rooted in financial transactions. For example, if there's a family with a lot of money to endow, or another family looking to seek out lots of money because maybe their financial situation isn't so great, you know, those families are likely to try and set up a good financial situation via marriage. As society is evolving, we see fewer and fewer arranged marriages happening in the West, an evolved form in modern Indian families, at least. It's usually the child who wants to get married, and by child I mean the adult, but the offspring. And the arrangement is usually more of an accumulation of a pool of possible candidates, kind of like a dating pool. In South Asia in particular, marriage is between two families, not just two individuals, so having a pre-approved pool of people to choose from, and also some parental insight, can be very helpful. There are many different ways this can play out, but today I'd like to walk you through one that is particularly important to me. It's also just a fun story, so I hope you enjoy. But first, let's get our theme music rolling. Welcome back to the show. I think this is, you guys have been on more than anyone else so far, so welcome back. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Uh, it's exciting to be back. Yeah, same here. Thank you. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about something really interesting. In fact, it's a story that I have you guys tell my friends very, very often because I think it's the most fun story that I've heard during the course of my life, and that is the story of your marriage. Um, so I want our listeners to know that so many of my friends and actually our family friends have assumed that my parents had a love marriage just because they have really good chemistry and gel really well with each other. But the reality is something different. And in fact, it's not just different. It's a very, it, it's a bit of a wild story and I won't, you know, tell it myself. I want to give them a chance to tell it. Um, but I want to rewind a little bit before that just to get an idea of, you know, how they felt about the marriage process and what exactly pushed them to, to want to, you know, pursue such a journey. So let's start with mom, um, because I think her story is a little bit more recent in the season. So mom, you told us about growing up around India, never having left the country, although having moved around quite a bit. So what position were you in when you kind of committed to the idea of getting married? So honestly, it happened so quickly that I, you know, I didn't really have time to uh, absorb what was going on. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, soon after, you know, I had graduated, uh, completed my engineering degree. 
I was just waiting for a, uh, my job offer, which uh, was with a government agency. And typically, you know, those things take a little long. And it just so happened uh, we were in Delhi for a wedding, my cousin's wedding. Her marriage was arranged through a newspaper um, matrimonial. And I remember in just, uh, you know, jokingly, we spoke about it and we said, hey, you know, let's look for someone for me too. I was about, I was 22, 22. yes, I had just turned 22. And so it was, you know, just by chance that we started chatting about it. And we were in Delhi for one weekend. We opened the newspaper, so, um, the weekend newspaper, and uh, which had like, you know, two, three pages dedicated to matrimonials. My parents, my relatives were all, we were just like in fact gathering and having fun uh, talk, uh, just uh, joking around. And we saw one ad that, you know, sort of appealed to all of us uh, about uh, a boy, a suitable groom, uh, and about his family and uh, background. And we were like, hey, let's give this a shot. So that's how it started. So uh, in reality, they asked me, hey, you know, you want to consider that? And I think I was so young and I, I guess uh, just being so naive, I just said, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I knew at some point in time we, it would happen. But uh, to be honest, I didn't give it too much thought. And it was more like a spur of the moment decision. And we responded to the ad. In fact, I think my uncle provided the details about, you know, our family. Uh, uh, as they responded to the ad and that's how this whole thing started. So let's find out what was happening on the other end of this newspaper ad. So Papa, what were you up to and how did that ad make it to a newspaper in Delhi? Uh, I had started working in the US. I had a great job and I was loving my life but there was something missing and I couldn't really put a finger on it. I had a wonderful set of friends, great colleagues, wonderful job and a great place to live, everything. So I was living the dream. But something was missing, I wasn't quite sure. And then during one of my trips back home to visit the family, you know, we used to live in an apartment complex in uh, Bangkok, and uh, there were lots of other UN families there as well. So after I arrived, I think the next day, my mother uh, arranged for a fun gathering of the folks we had some families from Pakistan, some families from Bangladesh, they were Indians and we all gathered together, had dinner and then we were sitting in the uh, evening playing Antakshri. Quick interjection, Antakshri is a singing game really, really common, especially for lovers of Bollywood music. Basically, one team will sing a song and the next team has to start the next song using the last letter or sound from the song from the previous team. And I really, really enjoyed that, right? It felt like home. It felt like something that I used to really enjoy when I was a kid and I used to attend weddings in India. And I'm like, my goodness, this is what I want. And I had met, you know, many people in the US. Everybody in the US had, and actually everybody in the family had expected that I would have a love marriage, that I would find somebody there. My father also just thought that would happen. But for me, I'm like, you know, I think this is what I want. And for that, probably the best way to do it is go a very scientific route, that being I let my father and mother try to find a suitable bride for myself. Now, when I first told my father, he was in shock because he never expected for that to happen. So he asked me multiple times, like, are you sure you want me to do this? And of course, what made the situation a little bit worse was that he was sitting in Thailand 
I was in the US and you know the the brides would be were all at least positioned in India in some manner. So then he asked his younger brother to uh, put an ad in the newspaper and that's how Rachita's family came to see my ad. But uh, as far as the decision is concerned, it was a very conscious decision on my part that I wanted to have an arranged marriage and for a bride to be selected by my parents. All right, so let's see where we are in the timeline right now. So, Papa, when did you go home and say that you wanted to make this decision? You know, that was probably a year or so before, actually, I think a year and a half before we got married. Okay, so we're saying early 92. Yeah. And Mama, when did you see this newspaper ad? This was, I think, Feb of 93. Okay, so almost a year later. Yeah, because we were just talking as to what my father wanted to be sure, because it's a big, you know, task to go about doing something like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, and honestly, he also um, spoke to his friends <coughs> who were, you know, based out of various parts of Asia, who had daughters of the right age, met them. But, you know, that, that cultural aspect that I was looking for, which is something that reminded me of home, that was a comfort factor, was just not there. I'm sure it was really important to you to, like growing up outside of India, to be married with someone with a strong Indian connection to kind of help you foster the sort of home environment that you were looking forward to. Yeah, it was, you know, honestly less of a home environment, just of a partner who would enjoy the same kind of things that made me happy. Right. So for those of you who have been keeping track, so Papa, early 92, made this decision. Mom saw this ad, Feb 93. And as you heard, Papa made this decision a year and a half before the marriage. So if you're keeping track, you'll realize that there are only four months in between the marriage and when my mom saw this ad. So Mom, what happened after you put in the, or rather, after you shared your details and responded to the ad? Yeah, so since we were in Delhi for just, you know, a few days for the wedding, we actually left uh, Delhi shortly after that. And we went back to our hometown. My dad, uh, at that point in time, was working in the coal mines. So this used to be traditionally coal mines were located um, in rural areas, uh, sometimes with very poor uh, connectivity. For, I mean, forget internet. I mean, we didn't even have internet in those days. Even phone connections were very, very uh, unpredictable. Sometimes, you know, you would have them, sometimes you won't. We were like at least a good 30, 40 kilometers from the nearest tier two city. So really remote areas in India, right? So we went back there. Uh, so this is now, we went back in the month of Feb. And then somehow we connected uh, with my uncle in Delhi again, my uncle and uh, aunt in Delhi again in uh, April. And we got a message that they got a response to that ad or they got a response to our response, right, that we had put in for the ad. And they wanted some more details like a, a photograph and uh, some more family details. And uh, since we were so remote, my mom just suggested, she said, hey, you know, if you have a recent picture of her over there, why don't you just uh, take that and uh, share that? So this was April. Then again, we forgot about it. Yeah, right? We sent it and we forgot about it. A month later, this is in May, uh, my sister was traveling to Delhi. And I'm still, by the way, I'm still waiting for my offer letter, which was supposed to come any day for me to join my uh, job as a petroleum engineer working in uh, the petroleum industry uh, somewhere in Mumbai. So I was waiting on that. 
And in the meantime, uh, my sister had to take a trip to Delhi to start a new job in the hotel industry. So my mom said, hey, why don't you accompany her? So, and just spend a few days in Delhi and then you can come back. So I got, you know, I boarded a train along with her and then here I was in Delhi. And this is now May. So we were in Delhi. I was there for a few days and suddenly one day we get a phone call. And my uncle receives a phone call and he says, he tells me, hey, this is from your prospective father-in-law. <laughs> I didn't expect any of this to... Like reality uh, hit you. Uh, yeah, I was like, what? And, and I wasn't ready to uh, absorb the news. So I actually, I remember I ran into the bathroom and I, you know, hid myself. I said, no, I'm not getting into any conversations here. Because then it was like, my God, this is actually something is happening here. Mm-hmm. And uncle's like, come on, come out, at least, you know, have a conversation, just a quick conversation. So I came out and I had like a quick uh, two, three minute conversation um, with my, at that point, I would be father-in-law. And he told me, you know, he said, I'm in Bangkok and, you know, my son is going to call you in five minutes. And I was like, oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> so we spoke for a few minutes and then uh, he said, just expect a call from my son. So we were just waiting and then suddenly yeah you know the phone rang and uh, uh, now I started started talking to Papa and it was like uh, we spoke for an hour I I couldn't believe it right it was a very easy conversation as if um, you know because it was I think um, he kept it very light like you know how are you and uh, what are your interests and things like that and I found myself very comfortable in that uh, situation so Actually, to be honest, it didn't look like it was for a marriage proposal. It looked like, you know, you're just making friends with someone. Mm. Uh, so that's how it started. Yeah. And this is like, I still remember the date it was 19th May when I got that phone call. Right. That must have been a pretty expensive phone call, one hour long distance. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it cost me a lot of money. You know, one thing I'll add before that is uh, my father was a social reformer. And his original name was Udayanand Sharma. Mm-hmm. And as a part of being a social reformer and a poet, he changed his name to Yogesh Atal. Mm-hmm. Atal is actually a fairly popular first name, but he kept it as his last name so that he would not reveal his caste, which was he was a Brahmin. And so he had made that change very early in his life. And when we put this ad out, we made it very clear that your caste or religion is of no concern to us. We just want a suitable bride. And it just so happened that I got the uh, bio data of a Rachita Sharma. <laughs> and I'm like, look at this. So, uh, so that was interesting. And, and then, yeah, I got a call from my father saying, uh, hey, look, you know, she's waiting for your call. Why don't you give her a call now? And honestly, I was so nervous. I didn't know what to talk about, etc. I had gone over her bio and I found it very interesting. In fact, there was a, two photographs of her along with that. One was she was standing under a tree with, with her hands in front of her, just in a very shy kind of pose, you know, holding a finger. And the other one was with her mom at her graduation, I assumed. And a very innocent, you know, kind of girl. So when we started talking, it was with that in mind and I was trying to put her at ease and honestly I was trying to hide my fear as well because this is a decision for life and uh, you have to, and my big concern was 
what do you ask? Like when you interview somebody for a job, you look at qualifications, etc. How do you look for qualifications for a life partner? Yeah. Right. So that 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 was not at all clear to me. But then I decided I just want to be me, and I would like her to be herself, and that way we will know if we are compatible or not. And as we started talking, I think she relaxed and opened up, and uh, and I loved the conversation because it was very innocent, very innocent conversation. You know, we we spoke about what kind of music we liked, and I mentioned something, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you know," and I really like Air Supply, and at that time I was like, "Oh, Air Supply." Uh, and uh, and then we were talking about books, etc. So she asked me what books do I like, and I mentioned to her that at that time I was reading, uh, you know, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and I used to really like S. D. Berman songs. So I mentioned all of these things to her, and you know, an hour went by. Yes, of course, a lot of money was going by as well because those days calls used to be super expensive. But an hour went by, and it was as if it was just a few minutes. It was really nice. And we ended that call saying that hey, you know, I told her I'll call her back uh, in a couple of weeks because I was going to go give a talk in Washington D.C. Yeah, that was it. Actually, I remember she asked me. She's like, "Well, have you seen my bio?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've glanced at it. It's just lying around here somewhere." I was holding it in my hand, <laughs> but I just wanted to make sure she didn't realize that. And mom, I think you ended up purchasing some, you know, things because of what you talked about during the conversation, right? Yeah, so because like, you know, it was like sort of, uh, I was in a holiday uh, uh, state. I mean, like I wasn't doing, uh, employed anything. So I was like, hey, maybe I'll uh, grab that book and I'll read that book too. I mean, suddenly I was curious what this book is about. Mm-hmm. And I, it'll probably tell me a little bit more about, uh, you know, uh, his personality. Actually, more than, I didn't even introspect that much. It was just like, I want to read it too. Yeah. So I went and bought that book. And I, believe it or not, I even bought a CD uh, of S.D. Berman. And then, uh, so as I was reading the book and I was waiting, you know, okay, that phone call would come in. It wasn't coming, you know. <laughs> so it was two, and exactly, I think two weeks later, I think it was, um, I still remember it was a Wednesday. I think exactly two weeks later, uh, I get the call again. Wait, I was, but I have a question for you before that. When did you see my photograph? Before our first call or after? You know, I can't remember. Maybe I might have seen it sometime around that time. And I thought, uh, you know, just the, at least the, the picture, the photo that was shared, I thought he's very serious and he won't like, you know, uh, joke around too much. But then, but the conversation was very easy going, right? So I was very relaxed. So anyway, so two weeks later he calls. And actually, you know, it's so funny. I woke up that morning, I remember. And somewhere in my mind, you know, I was... I wanted this to happen because I said, you know, okay, if I don't get the call today, this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you won't believe the phone rang, you know, an hour later or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then again, we started talking and I told him, hey, you know what? I'm reading that book. I was like like a, like a little child, you know, <laughs> so excited to share that I'm reading this book. And I said, you know what? I also got you that DVD. So when we meet, because I knew they were going to come to India at some point in time. But I wasn't, again, when during this conversation, I'm not thinking in terms of, Marriage proposal. It's more like, hey, when we meet, I, you know, I'm going to give this to you. I bought this for you already. Mm-hmm. So it was like that kind of conversation. You're just you're excited about a friendship, uh, you know, or making an acquaintance, right? So it was that sort of uh, uh, excitement. And then again, we started talking about. He said, hey, you know, are you? What else are you doing? I said, you know, I'm learning typing and uh, 
this that so we were just chit chatting about you know the different things I was doing uh, to keep myself busy as I was waiting for my job offer yeah so I'm sure some of our listeners are getting a little anxious because we said the first phone call was May 19th two weeks later was the second phone call and I also told you that the marriage happened in June so you're probably like when did these people actually meet each other and I think this is my favorite part of the story because it was a real whirlwind that was entirely dependent on a business meeting. Um, so when did you guys actually end up meeting? So uh, just before that I have to tell you so my I had made my India visit plans it was uh, a part of my Thailand visit so I was in Thailand next a week after we spoke uh, and a week before we reached uh, India when we called her again I called her just to say hi, etc. And then my father wanted to speak to her. So here we are in Thailand. She is, you know, I don't know where you were. Were you in Delhi? Yes, you were still in Delhi. Her parents have no clue about all of this stuff. <laughs> and so I spoke to her and it was great. And she asked me some interesting questions about, you know, she, she likes to read palms. She asked, yeah, so asked me about some lines or whatever. And she didn't even tell me what that meant. Right? <laughs> She's like, oh, do you have a line between your this finger and that finger that's going there? And I'm like, yes, I do. She goes, okay, thank you. <laughs> and I was like, oh goodness, you know, that's a violation of my privacy. Wait a minute. But then my father uh, got on the phone and started talking to her. And he started saying, huh, beta, so mentally are you prepared to get married? <laughs> and I was standing next to him. And as you very well know, my father had kind of like a dictatorial style. And so I was standing next to her, next to my father thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what must she be going through? So, uh, but anyway, that conversation I will always remember because I myself was not sure I was going to get married. I don't think she had any idea, but my father was all set. Mm. Again, why? Because of the business trip. Right. So we'll talk about the business trip later. Yeah. Actually, but it's so funny because this is now, I think somewhere maybe around 10th of June or so, this yeah. is the third conversation, right? And like uh, Papa said that, you know, we were uh, uh, talking and uh, Bapu, my to be father in law is telling me, hey, you know, so don't worry, you know, my uh, we are arriving on the 19th in India. If everything goes well, then uh, you know, I have to head back to Geneva uh, for a meeting on the 26th, so the wedding should happen before that. <laughs> and then you come here, and then if uh, your visa to the US is arranged, then it's fine. If not, then you spend some time here with uh, your father in law and your mother in law. And I'm thinking, what is he talking about? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't even know the guy yet, the family. And see, I, I want to add something here. So I think this, the reason this story is a little different and unique is when we talk about arranged marriages in India, typically there is some connection. With families, family. yeah, with, with somebody, there's, there's some known folks, right? Uh, people who arrange these. Um, so there's some connection. So this here was purely like you know there's like uh, completely out of the blue mm. you have no idea who this family is uh, so and it's the and the parents typically talk before yeah, yeah. there's no conversation that had <laughs> yeah. taken place between my parents and her parents in fact it had been your uncle and her uncle a little bit little bit actually that too because because we were just uh, still talking right so they didn't know uh, so then actually so I'll just add a little part here so this is now about 10 days before they're supposed to arrive mm. and uh, then my uncle calls somehow he manages to connect with my parents and he says you know 
where are you guys you know <laughs> i want to update you on all the recent conversations that are going on and i have a feeling this is proceeding very fast uh you better make plans quickly to arrive in delhi like in a week's time and be prepared for a wedding <laughs> and we're like what <laughs> Ooh, we're just about to get to the good part, but first, let's take a quick break. We'll see you very soon. So the funny thing is, so my parents are hearing and my brother who's also, you know, uh supposed to be i mean you know i'm very close to him my sister is with me my brother is uh again another remote part of uh, the country and he has no idea this is going on <laughs> so somehow we are you know trying to make all these connections so that we can arrive and uh, make a decision uh, take a so decision. the the only people who have had main, any discussions about this is rachita me and my father her <laughs> uncle had telegraphic kind of communications with my uncle her uncle didn't really speak to my father at all hmm. so that's what makes us so strange is that no adults from her side were involved <laughs> it was just rachita and she herself had no clue what would happen i'm just imagining nani you know one moment putting mama on a train going like ha huh, like go no problem and next thing it's like oh she's getting married she's like what Great, excellent. Okay. All right. So now let's fast forward a little bit to your arrival in India. So how did that day play out for you? So the you know, we arrived the night of the 18th and with an understanding the 19th morning we would have breakfast with uh, Rachita. So for breakfast uh, we were staying in a hotel. My uncle came. So it was my father, my mother and my uncle and auntie hmm. who were there. and uh, we were in the lobby waiting for rachita to arrive of course the first car comes and it's um how many it was like uh, three or four ladies who came out and i wasn't sure which one was rachita <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of the thing and then the next car had all the gents and of course then we were introduced and taken into the the breakfast area which my father had arranged and i had no idea what was going to happen no clue at all so i still remember that i was uh, sitting at the end rachita sitting next to me my father in front and then her father in front of her and the rest of the people were sitting there so we are talking etc a little bit and then my father started talking to her father saying hey again the same thing you know i have to leave for geneva on 26 so before that if we can get the wedding done i think that will be good whatever if things work out you know and of course rachita and i were so nervous i don't think we ate anything or maybe just look and finally my father noticed that both of us were uh, scared to death and told me to take rachita for a tour of the hotel now that was meant to be an excuse for me to go and have a talk with her um and by the way i'll tell you that for that particular meeting my father had dressed me up in one of his shirts it was a barong tagalo which is a traditional uh, filipino shirt made of bamboo fiber and later on i found out your mom thought i looked like a grandfather <laughs> and uh, so i i take i take rachita for a tour and of course we were supposed to talk but i literally gave her a tour of the hotel because i was scared i didn't know what to say she was so nervous she didn't know what to say and after 
20 minutes of that, 20, 25 minutes of that, actually quite, quite a long time, we came back in the lobby and we thought, okay, finally, let's sit down and talk. Mm. So the lobby was such, there was a glass wall and on the other side was a sitting area, outdoor sitting area. So we, we thought, let's just sit down here and talk. We were about to sit down when we noticed that the elders had come on the other side of the glass wall and they were sitting down there. So they could see us <laughs> and we could see them. So we're like, okay, well, we can't talk now. So let's just go. <laughs> so we didn't talk. And then we go out there and we sit down and I sit down next to my mom and uh, my father. On the other side of me is my uncle and his wife and, and Rachida sitting next to her parents. And after sitting down, my uncle looks at me and raises his eyebrows two or three times asking me how it went. Mm -hmm. And he had told me earlier that just signal to me if you are happy. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was happy. I mean, she's a very nice girl, etc. So I just nodded my head saying yes. Mm -hmm. So then he gets up without talking to anybody, <laughs> not consulting my father or mother and just saying to my mother, Bhabiji, please, you know, put the little chain on her, uh, uh, on Rachita as a symbol of the engagement. <laughs> and that was it. So all you basically got out of this was the location of the swimming pool and then she got engaged. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was actually, so I, I'll just uh, call out one more thing. So before this, my parents arrived, right? Mm -hmm. A day before, this is now 19th June. So 18th June afternoon, my parents arrived, right? Finally with, with the suitcases and there was some stuff uh, my mom had just collected over the years. Like in a hurry, she just put like some uh, part of that wedding trousseau in a, in a couple of suitcases and, and, she, and they came. So my uh, my dad, I remember... He uh, took me, uh, asked me to, you know, uh, come with him and he took me inside a room and he said, you know, I want to talk to you. I said, yeah, what is it about? He said, you know, you may have some reservations about the guy, his habits or whatever, you know, but you don't have to like be very, like, you know, don't, don't take very strong decisions based on that. Like, especially he meant like negative decisions, right? So he said, I mean, just think over them or, or these are like, let's say, if you are, if you don't like certain mannerisms or whatever it is, it's okay, you know. Uh, so I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, no, no, I'm fine. I have no problems. So he said, oh, okay, I'm just talking about that. <laughs> so he thought, you know, he needed to convince me. Have like to, a talk with you. No, yeah. to convince me to take this seriously. And mm -hmm. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. There's nothing, no issues. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and then next day, like when we uh, went and met and it was like, you know, then it really again started hitting me and it, uh, you know, started absorbing the fact that, you know, this is happening for real, right? And then this whole tour of the, uh, that India International Center in Delhi, uh, you know, taking a look at the auditorium, the <laughs> amphitheater, you know, swimming pool. And <laughs> it was like, you know, we didn't know what to talk, right? And then before we knew, it was like... Uh, I remember they said, okay, yeah, put the chain around her neck. And I'm like, oh, this is it? But I didn't get a chance to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like, like Sankit said, you know, at the breakfast table, they were already discussing the wedding day. So it almost looked like, you know, it was all, uh, I mean, this was already being planned on the phone and through the phone conversations. But, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, meeting somebody in uh, person is totally different experience. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I was just so shocked. Uh, I mean, not just shocked, I was just numb, rather, that I didn't know how to react. Hmm. Uh, 
uh, and then before we knew this, am I uh, again then to be father-in-law said, hey, let's have a lunch for the you know because this was like a small gathering. We were just about ten of us or so. We said we want the extended families to meet for lunch, and we'll host a lunch at uh, one of the you know the uh, Taj hotels there. And I remember us all meeting for lunch, and then right after lunch, somebody uh, I think they said, oh, we're gonna have an engagement ceremony here, you know. And my parents are like, you know, but we don't even have a uh, you oh know, yeah, so I ring. <laughs> so so, the lunch was in one of my father's favorite restaurants in Taj. Uh, very fancy silver plates and all that stuff. We all met. Great stuff going on. We thought it was a lunch. And then, just in the lobby of the restaurant, you know, on the other side are doors leading to the garden. So it's a small area. That's where there was one sofa. They sat us down and said, "Okay, we'll have the engagement here." <laughs> And her father was freaking out, saying, "I don't even have a ring." <laughs> so then he took me to the jewelry shop of that hotel, and literally within five minutes, we selected a ring, came down. Then he put it back in his pocket, and then he handed to me, he handed to her to put on me for the engagement. So we got engaged in like the lobby of a restaurant <laughs> of that hotel. <laughs> It's a good, I mean, budget, right? Like, it was a good, a good yeah. uh, budget one. I mean, the lunch was fancy. Everything was nice. But, you know, one envisions like engagement ceremonies being this grand event where all this stuff. We were just sitting on a sofa and we put on everybody clapped and that was it. And, that was and our we, engagement. And, and it was, in fact, because see, this is already the 19th, right? And the wedding, they're already thinking 24th because that meeting, business meeting was on 26th. <laughs> so we had to start working backwards that how fast you can make Things go on from here so that everything like accelerates, right? Oh, it was a whirlwind of events after that because once that happened, we returned back to the hotel. My father contacted all the people he knew, and he has some very close friends. So one person was, uh, you know, uh, assigned to get the cards printed. One person was assigned to get this, that done, etc. On her side, her father's uh, brother-in-law, uh, who happened to be a member of parliament at the time. You know, he said he'll get all the other arrangements done. They selected the hotel, etc. So from the afternoon of the 19th till the night of the 24th, it was one activity after the other. Right? Every single afternoon and evening, there was a gathering in somebody's house or the other for a party. And the parties at night would last till midnight, 1 or 2 a.m. And the next morning, again, the same thing would happen. And what was interesting was... During these parties, except for the one the day before we got married, she wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> the only time she spoke to me was when I would call her on the phone. And then she would yak and she would talk a lot. But in person, she would not say anything. It was so strange. Yet, we felt that we are getting to know each other. <laughs> and I think that was because I, I just associated uh, that connection with the voice. Uh, so it is, it's, it's, I mean, it may sound very strange, but that's what it was. I remember like, yeah, just the day before our wedding, we were actually again in a room and, you know, uh, he wanted to chat, but I had nothing to talk because I was like, you know, I'm, I, and I was numb and I didn't know what to say, but then he went back and again, he called me, then I spoke. <laughs> so I, I couldn't explain to myself also, but maybe it was that familiarity with the voice and the phone that gave me that connection hmm. rather than in person, right? Papa I mean, I must have been like, is this the same person or is like someone else calling me? Yes, by the way, I did look a little different 
in pictures than I, I was in real life. Mm-hmm. So he, he would actually tease me and says, are you the same person that was in the picture, the photograph that you sent me? <laughs> so finally, I got her to speak a little bit the day before the wedding. Mm-hmm. We were at her uncle's, you know, the member of parliament's house for a lavish party. And there, and I always, at parties, I always drank limka uh, instead of water because you didn't know what was there. And of course, mine was spiked with a, with some vodka. So I had my drink and she wanted, so, and I'm like, just have mine. So then she had this thing and she had never had a drop of alcohol in her life. <laughs> oh, so she had that. And after that, we spoke nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. So, but those, uh, I think even uh, till the day we got married and actually even beyond that, till we took off uh, uh, and left India, I think there was a party every evening at somebody's place, somebody hosting it, you know, um, very, very blessed uh, to be in that environment. My uncle and aunt, uh, they did one before, one after. uh, And then, so it was just like, I think just... just series of celebrations, you know, and uh, I think to this day, everybody remembers uh, those, uh, you know, uh, seven, eight days that we were there uh, leading up to the event and uh, after the event also, like just yeah. celebrations. And what also made it different was because the time was abbreviated. So we had to get a lot of things done in very little time. So things to be done in India and things to be done in Thailand. So I'll tell you about the Thailand one later. But uh, in India, what needed to be done is we needed to have a marriage certificate done. Mm. Right, and mm. it's difficult to do in a very short notice. Yeah. So we got married the twenty fourth night. The you know the feras and everything like that happened at midnight. We were done by two thirty or three a.m. The feras that my dad is mentioning are the rounds that are taken around a sacred fire during the Hindu marriage ceremony. Each of them symbolizes some vows or prayers that the couple is going to take to start their married life together. Sometimes these end up happening very, very early in the morning because there's usually a certain time that is considered auspicious to complete these rounds. The bridal suite or whatever it's called, or the wedding night suite, was in the hotel itself. So typically, as you know, in Indian weddings, you're done with it and you walk out of the venue and you get into a car or something and you go away somewhere. Ours was waiting for the elevator to come down (laughs) so we could enter. It was just so bizarre. And then we go up to our room and we enter and behind us follow our elders. (laughs) So it was a nice suite that they had booked for us. But in the suite, then they sat down. And of course, here we are newly wed. We want to have some time just to talk to each other. We were dead tired, but also nervous as hell. And they started talking. Okay, tomorrow morning we have to do this, whatever. Wait, before discussion, shall we call for some tea so we can have, you know, this is a 3 a.m. So finally, I told them, man, we're tired. Can you please take the discussion somewhere else? And what was decided was the next morning, early morning, we would have to go to get our uh, this thing, our marriage certificate done. So on our wedding night, we slept for three hours. Mm. And early in the morning, somebody came and we went. So we spent the entire morning, I think, right, trying to get our marriage certificate done. And right after that, then we went to another lunch. Then we went to another dinner. And before we know it, here we are at the airport heading out for Thailand. So mom, what was it like to leave the country for the first time? I think again, it wasn't, it hadn't really settled in. And I mean, we were like in the middle of all these celebrations, right? So we didn't realize, we didn't realize that, you know, uh, there was no time to think Hmm. or even like relax, right? But then, and we had to pack and get ready to go. 
and leave the country. And I remember uh, heading to the airport and the entire extended family came to see us off. And that's when it hit me, oh my God, you know, I'm actually married and I'm going to leave the country. And uh, I started bawling at the airport and everybody, you know, like, my, you know, my parents, uh, cousins, aunts, uncles, I mean, there were like some 30 of them, I don't know how many. It was like, a, you know, and just, uh, it was like a very, very emotional scene. You know? So your vidai wasn't just not on your wedding day, but it was, it was like an there. actual yeah. proper yeah. vidai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The vidai is the part of the wedding where the newlywed bride says goodbye to her family to leave for her husband's home. There's usually a lot of crying. And then we, yeah, so, you know, it was very, very, very hard, actually, just uh, because I think that's because that's the day it hit me that I'm actually not just uh, leaving the country, but here I'm leaving my family, too, you know, for uh, a new phase in my life with someone I barely know, right? And heading to, so we were heading to Thailand for a weekend. From there, the plan was to go to U.S. Um, so that's when the reality started setting in that, you know, because until then it was just parting mode and, mm. you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Thailand was also a whirlwind of activities. We went to a resort and things like that. My father arranged, my father came back from Switzerland and then he arranged for some parties so we could meet our friends in Thailand. But one point of note there is we went to get Rachita's visa and my visa uh, renewed to go back to the US and her spouse visa. So we went to the embassy, we had an appointment and uh, their question was of course why are you in an embassy in Bangkok to do that and I told them that I grew up in Thailand so that's why so they were fine with that and then of course they want to see wedding pictures and the certificate so I was taking all that out in the meantime she came to the counter and she was about to talk so before talking she just wanted to put her hands up now, in this Punjabi weddings, when you get married, the bride has all of these things hanging from her wrists hmm. for a period of a month or something. You have to like keep that bangles on. bangles and... Bangles and, and, and there's yeah. like all these trinkets that hang. Mm -hmm. I, I think they're called kalichari or whatever. Kaliras. Kaliras. So she put them all up there and she was going through the stuff. The person across the counter saw those, saw her and said, okay, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the extent of the interview. That was it. Who else would be walking around with someone? With all of those things. And uh, so that was it. And after that, of course, we had a great time in Thailand. And uh, point of note is that uh, uh, we arrived, our first point of arrival in the U.S. Uh, was in Los Angeles. And I had my, some of my college friends in Los Angeles. So all of them came to the airport. And Rachita's first experience in the U.S. was a lunch at the that fancy you know, that uh, starship-shaped starship -shaped, uh, restaurant at the LA airport where all my friends were there and it was just wonderful. She was like so surprised and all my friends of course were asking me, hey, Sankit, you know, how did you get such a pretty wife? <laughs> and then from there we flew out uh, to Portland, Oregon where I was living and our date of arrival and the beginning of our journey as a couple in the US was the 4th of July. And then it was like, hello. I'm Rachita. <laughs> exactly. After arriving at my apartment, that's when we sat down and said, okay, let's introduce. I think that's when it's really started settling in that, you know, okay, yeah, I'm married and I'm in a foreign country, you know, uh, and I wanted to pursue a higher education. So suddenly, you know, other things started taking uh, priority and all that. But, you know, that the phase went by so quickly. As soon as I arrived, that's when it actually hit me that you know I'm married and and I don't I barely know this guy. Yeah. Right. 
but then I think, um, call it destiny, call it, <clears throat> you know, good karma, whatever, you know, you believe in. They say um, marriages are made in heaven. So, you know, you, you believe in that concept and you just go, you just go with the flow. So I think so, a lot of people might be wondering, Mom, because you were saying you were waiting for a job offer to come yeah. through. So whatever happened to that and what did you end up doing after? Now, let, let me tell you something. Here. Okay. okay. So we are there and we call up her father, you know, a week or so after arriving that, hey, we have, because it was hard to get in touch with him. The connections were pretty poor, very straight. So we finally got in touch with him and he says, hey, you know, your job offer came for uh, ONGC and it's a very prestigious job. So what would you like to do with it? And I'm like, what would you like to do with it? I just got married to your daughter. She's not going to go back at So yeah, so I think suddenly the light, uh, my life took a very different turn, right? And uh, I did have plans to come to the US too. In fact, I had applied for uh, several uh, programs in the US in uh, petroleum engineering. And very interestingly, those offers all started coming around the same time. In mm -hmm. fact, there was a scholarship offer from University of Alaska and all those uh, Oklahoma, I mean, you know, wherever there was like, I had applied to these uh, few schools, um, but none in Portland, Oregon, that's where we were. And uh, and so we discussed that, you know, what do I do? You know, should I, because they were like really good offers uh, from these universities. But then we decided, no, I will, we'll, I'll pursue something in Portland itself. And at that point in time, environmental engineering seemed like a good shift, uh, a natural shift. Um, and I started, I applied for a <clears throat> master's program. And this is July, so August my school started, I was in. It, you know, a couple of more things. One thing is we made a conscious decision that for career or education, we're not going to be away from each other. That yes, she had, you know, nice offers from prestigious universities to go. She had a job offer also from other places. I had those. I said, no, we have to be together and that's the way we will live our life. And it was that that I think was a key decision in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that was 28 years ago. Yeah. Well, congrats. I mean, on everything. I know it's been a great journey so far and will continue to be. Do you have any final words you'd like to share with our listeners before we sign off? Yeah, well, I, I, one thing I'll tell you is um, whenever we talk about us being married in this manner or arranged marriage, people always, you know, they have their weird opinions about it. They think it's, uh, uh, it's not the right thing to do for people, etc. But fundamentally, every marriage is arranged in one manner or the other. And... Uh, you know, my father actually was a co-author of a volume of six books about the history of marriage. Uh, and if you take a look, you know, at some point in time, you know, uh, all of these concepts existed everywhere. And even today, in the upper crust of society, there is such a thing. But fundamentally, you know, it depends on the two people. And uh, in our case, the decision was ours. Of course, we didn't do that much thinking before deciding, but uh, the decision was ours. If we had said no, it would be a no. But the, the other part is that the families just look into the compatibility part. And honestly, I think it does make a big difference. If two uh, backgrounds of the two people are completely different, then it's a very difficult job uh, to actually live a life in which the two families 
uh, interact with each other because marriage is not just between the two people it's between the two families mm-hmm. yeah and i think it, it the the decision or the choice was always ours so um in fact i think even if you consider whatever is a typical love marriage you know people get introduced right they like each other and then they date for a while i think in our case maybe the the dating was online and uh, through a few phone conversations and it was very quick and uh, i think we thought we had the compatibility compatibility and we decided to take a risk and go ahead i mean i i, I didn't even actually think at that point in time it was a risk i think you just went with the flow that this is how it was meant to be you believe in goodness you believe in like i said destiny good you know and that's how we were raised to uh, you know just you trust and you trust not and it's not just your decision right because there's so many other people involved they are also giving their sort of their blessing or their insights into yeah this thing looks right and we us. were very young i was 25 she was 22 right so at that age uh, you know you're much much more adaptable than later And so like, I think we grew up together sort of after that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a decision you make every day, right? Like yeah. I want to do this, I can do this and we'll, you know, be a team and work through this together. So if you have that, you know, connection, then anything is possible. Yeah. It's all about collaboration and uh, understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for yet another episode of No Talking at All. My name is Apeksha. I produce the show and our music is by Kai Roberts, who you can check out on Instagram at Kai Roberts Music. Have a great one everyone. We'll see you next time.